You ready? Uh, un. Un momento. Purse chance. Huh. Lista. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the KV Pod, which is what I think we're calling this podcast. Um, but you never know. Podta- podcast names can change, and so we'll see what happens. Um, we are here again with another exciting episode with another illustrious, wonderful guest, because are, those are the only type of guests that we have. And this week we have a new guest who has made background appearances in the past, but today she they gave is... gave me a mic. <laughs> today she is here, officially part of the KV Pod. I am honored. Who is this illustrious, wonderful guest, you may be wondering? Well, it is none other than my wife. Yay, background claps. <laughs> Say hello, Shaleen. We'll get that in post-production. Hello, everyone. Um, sadly, Emily isn't with us tonight. Daniel and I are just having a date night, and this is part of it. Yeah, so we're just hanging out. Just hanging out. We made our dinner. We cleaned our house. It's a good day to be a Floyd. Indeed. Yes, we're, uh, we are currently on Christmas break, so we've both been a little sick lately. I'm feeling better. Are you feeling better? Yeah, I feel great. Just a little uh, runny nose still. It's not even stuffy anymore. It's runny. That's progress. It is progress, yeah. And I have been at home kind of doing nothing, like sort of cleaning the house, doing stuff like that, resting, but feeling really good now. So we're on break, and uh, we just had a very tasty dinner. It was so good. Thank you. (laughs) I married a chef, and it's fantastic. I do love to cook, and it is one of my hobbies. Originally, my cooking hobby started with grilling when I was 16. I got into that, and I still really like to grill. But lately, I've been getting into pasta making, and thanks to Shaleen, she got me a pasta book lately uh, for my birthday, a cookbook, that is. Um, And it tells you how to make the dough from scratch, and then roll out the dough by hand with a big stick called a mozzarella. And tonight we made our first recipe from the book, which I don't even remember what it was called, which is why I have the book here with me. It's called Stracchetti Ayaromania. That is if they pronounce their double L's as a Y, which is what Daniel told me might be how that goes. Otherwise, it's Stracchetti alla Romagna. A la Romagna sounds more right. I'm trying to flip around in this book to find what it is. Anyway. Page 115. Oh, yeah. Perfect. I knew that. Uh, What's in that dish, Shaleen? It was really tasty stracchetti pasta, which is literally bow ties. But fun fact, stracchetti means little pinched things in Italian. Interesting. And And they have another name, right? Yes. They can also be called farfalle, which means uh, butterflies. Also, if anyone listening actually speaks Italian, come talk to me because, one, I would love to learn, and, two, I'm sure I'm messing up these pronunciations. So sorry. Anyway, I think it's a really cool language, so sorry for botching it. Anywho, okay, so, yes, it had the pasta. Then it had in the, quote, sauce, which was not sauce. I don't know. I said it um, wasn't a sauce. It kind of was. Yeah. Anyway. Let's describe it and see what see what Sure. It just had some butter. 
some, then you add prosciutto to that, and then you have little cherry tomatoes for some pizzazz, and then you add in arugula at the very end, and then you garnish with a tad more arugula if you want, and Parmigiano Reggiano, and it was so good. I took my first bite and was like, whole. There's something to be said about the handmade pasta. and It's so... <sighs> She's speechless, folks. I don't know. It's like toothy. I feel like the toothiness is a good word for it. They say that it's like the toothiness is what the deal is yeah, with the, the handmade pasta. Yeah, the book we're working out of is American Sfoglino, or Sfoglino. Again, don't know how to pronounce it. A book by Evan Funky, who I discovered on a podcast and then found him subsequently on YouTube, mm -hmm. and then found out he wrote a book, and I was like, I need that book, because I want to make pasta. And so it's his book. Um, he's originally from the United States, and then studied in Italy under two pasta masters for many years, and now he has a restaurant in um, Venice, okay. California. Um, oh. And so this is his book. Cool. Sorry, I was thought it was in LA, but Venice, LA, it's right Pretty there. close, yeah. Anyway. Idea. yeah. anyway, so this dish was super, just like, refreshing. Really good, yeah. He he mentions, I'm going to read a little excerpt. It says, this is exactly the kind of dish I want to eat on the beach in Ramini, packed into a Tupperware and devoured at ambient temperature while sprawled under a beach umbrella. I read that while we were cooking it, and I was like, oh, yeah, pasta today, Italy tomorrow, please. It's so good, yeah. But COVID, the, so probably The tomatoes, not. yeah, yeah, the tomatoes and the, the fresh arugula, it's just like a very refreshing, vibrant kind of flavors. Yeah, and, and of course, so like... Obviously, Evan Funky, the author of the book, is being is gonna say like, "Yeah, handmade pasta is the way to go." And it's like, not that I wouldn't believe him, but it's like I don't know what I think about this for myself. Like, is it worth it to spend extra hours, literal hours, preparing the pasta by hand, or are you getting such negligible differences in quality from like the store bought stuff that it, maybe it's not worth it? Well, we tried it. Worth it. So worth it. Yeah. The texture is amazing and the, well, the flavor is different. Have you ever had homemade egg noodles like for Christmas? Like chicken noodles? Yes. I well Have actually, you ever had my mom's homemade egg noodles? That's I different. Had, yes. I had them at Thanksgiving when I was visiting your family for Thanksgiving when we were dating like two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. That's probably the last time. Because... That's what this kind of reminded me of. Because those are noodles from scratch. Right. Right. And I don't know what kind of dough the Thanksgiving noodles are made of. It's literally flour and water. Well, yes. As opposed to egg. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to be like, duh. But then like, no, it's not duh because you Oh, wait, use no. Egg. They're literally called egg noodles. Idiot. They're egg. <laughs> it's egg <laughs> and flour. Oh, I'm sorry, Mom. I failed you. I am not a chef. I don't enjoy cooking. I know how to do the things. Like, put me in a kitchen and I can make you food. Absolutely. It'll taste delicious. Do I enjoy it at all? No. No. No, I do not. This is why I do the cooking. It's great. Because it's one of my hobbies and I love doing it. And I like helping him. Kind of. I mostly prefer <laughs> I mostly prefer sitting on a, one of the chairs we have in our little nook area and um, annoying him with Facebook memes and... Whatever random thoughts are running through my head. You're not annoying. Oh, I, I appreciate the company, so it's fun. It's good. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then I clean the kitchen, so you know. Which I am not mad about whatsoever. We have a good deal, honestly. Yeah, I cook and she picks up. Mm -hmm. 
Right, and it works. I do the laundry and the dishes, and he does the trash and... <laughs> the mowing. The mowing, yes. And the cooking. And the cooking. Really, that could cover all the things. But, yeah. sorry, while we're on this tangent of house cleaning, my possibly favorite thing is that our floor cleaning duo is just great. Like, he sweeps slash vacuums, and then I mop slash also just, like, clean the bathrooms in general. It's so wonderful. It's <laughs> so much better than doing it by yourself. We sound like we have our marriage so figured out and put together. Because we do. Yeah. Thank exactly. you, Jesus. Yeah, it's going to be great. It is great. It is great. Um, yeah, well, so dinner was super good. We just had that. Um, definitely going to try the lasagna recipe from this book on Friday. For New Year's For New Year's, going to have some people over. And interesting thing about this lasagna recipe is it calls for spinach dough. So it's green. Tasty. Yeah, it's going to be like a meat sauce, bechamel, parmesan, and uh, green lasagna noodles. Is bechamel not a French thing? I mean, yes. But I guess the Italians use it. I don't know the history on that. Pretty sure it's a French thing, French I'm sauce. I'm about to Google this Well, right now. <laughs> Keep talking. Yeah, it's. I mean, in terms of ingredients, it's a simple sauce. It's just whole milk, um, flour... And water? Oh, butter, butter, butter. That's what it is. Butter, flour, and whole milk. I don't think it has water. How do you spell it? B-E-C-H-A-M-E-L or A-L, something like that. Anyway, anyway, that sauce goes into the lasagna. That's going to be for New Year's. Hopefully it's going to be really good. Um, oh, boy. What are you finding? I am finding. It's on Quora. You know, that's reliable, but still. Yeah, probably. Why do Italians put bechamela in their lasagna, but Americans use ricotta? Again, sorry with the pronunciation. Um, We're trying really hard. I'm just going to straight up read this, and we can edit it out if it's unnecessary. Lasagna is a typical northern Italian dish, so it's rich in cheese, beef, and carbohydrates. The original recipe for lasagna calls for the use of bechamela, a cheesy sauce that's typical of Tuscany. However, so maybe it's a different thing? than French bechamel sauce? Okay, yeah. Could Question be. mark? However, in the south of Italy, bechamel sauce is not really a local product and thus is exchanged with ricotta cheese, which has lower calories and less fats than bechamel. Ooh, I read about this earlier. Yeah, since many Italian-Americans are descendants from immigrants born in southern Italy, the southern version of the dish spread and became somewhat common. I was reading about this earlier when I was looking up the difference between um, the strichetti and farfalle. Because in it talked about, for some reason, it brought up arugula as well. And in northern Italy and a lot of other areas, it's actually like la rucola, like mm -hmm. la instead of a, and okay. then ca instead of g. So it's like la rucola. Okay. But in southern Italy, they pronounced it arugula. Interesting. And so when it came to America, southern Italian, ta-da. Same thing with pizza. It was like a... A pizza? A I forget what the original slightly was. Slightly different word. Yeah, slightly spelling. different pronunciation. Sure, okay. And then it came over with the Southern Italians with their pronunciation, and thus we have pizza today. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and okay. we're learning in this process that hmm. you can't just say, oh, what? here's the Italian history of this, because <laughs> Italy yeah. is so regional that... 
you really have to get down to what region of Italy. And then depending on what you're getting into, I've heard, you know, sometimes you're talking about this neighborhood versus that neighborhood when it comes to how a dish is traditionally prepared and stuff. Whoa, so also, sorry, I'm weaving all of these webs together. So it's interesting. It's interesting because the original lasagna recipe is from Emilia Romagna, Romagna, um, which is the region that our dish was from tonight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I going with that? So it's all the same region. We know that because he's Evan yeah, Funky this, is yeah. From this Bologna. whole book is Bologna. Yeah, which and Bologna is there. not a region; it's a, it's a, city, it's a city within Emilia Romagna. Okay, good to know. We're gonna have to like straight up get a map out and learn the regions <laughs> of Italy because I realize I know very. It's little. all important. It's so cool. Yeah. It's fun to learn about. I had never had arugula, or I don't remember having arugula before tonight, and super loved it. Um, definitely a dark leafy green, kind of like kale or spinach, but kind of a more earthy. Super good. I like, want to say chalky, but well, it doesn't taste like chalk. I've heard it described it as spicy before, and I would agree with that. Uh, okay, maybe zesty. Yeah, not a like We're not hot talking spicy. jalapenos. No, but like a... There's a zestiness yes. to... Okay, fine. Exact wording. <laughs> Whatever, Thank you. yeah. But anyway, yeah, so that was good. Anyway, I got to tell you about, <laughs> I just got to tell you about, like, going to the store. Okay, yeah. He drops this. We're sitting at the dinner table, and I'm like, okay, what are we going to podcast about? We're going to podcast about... Some other stuff you'll Some hear Some other in a stuff you'll hear in a minute. And then he was like, yeah, and the pasta, and then my Walmart trip. I'm like, your Walmart trip? What happened on your Walmart trip? And then I was like, dang it, you aren't going to tell me until the podcast, are you? Yeah. So this is me building the suspense that I myself was feeling, and here we go. Wow, you're really building up this Walmart story. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So anyway, I saw three whole students wow. when I was going to the I'm store. I'm so glad you didn't see two and a half. Yeah, I know. That would have been weird. Um, although one of them is short enough, you could argue that. Anyway. Ouch. Sorry. It's nothing wrong with being short. It's yeah, just no. a thing. Just I'm a short. Thing. Yeah, and it's great. Anyway. Um, sorry. Continue. It's just fun because, you know, I'm a teacher. Obviously, I teach high school chemistry. And the students that teachers get get to interact with fall on a wide spectrum of super cool, super not cool, super respectful, super not respectful. And in the short span of like 30 minutes of me running to the store, I had both ends of the spectrum. And it was just funny. And so I was just going to tell you about it. So like I walk into Walmart, I'm in the produce section, and one of my students is there who um, works there. And the student's like, hey, Mr. Floyd, how's it going? I'm like, hey, how are you? And they're like, yeah, I'm doing great. He kind of tells me a couple things about his job. And then he's like, have a great night. I'm like, yeah, you too. Super friendly. This student initiated the conversation to say hi. And it was just a great little 10-second exchange. It was awesome. Sure. Yeah. So that's one end. So that's so that's one end. Okay. Like, people are great. Cool. <laughs> oh, boy. So then I'm like walking around looking for prosciutto and cheese and stuff like that and then i'm on my way out and kind of in the distance uh in the distance in the distance yeah i see a student that is not my student but this is a student that i was in a class that i subbed for Uh um, because sometimes other teachers will be gone and instead of calling in a sub they'll just get another teacher in the building to sub for them and so i do that um so I'm walking through the store. I see the student. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that student that I subbed, and they don't really like me, and they've made this very clear 
Um, What'd you do uh, to I them? Made, I made them do their work. Oh. Crazy, ah, right? Yes, Mr. Floyd, how cruel you are. I know. I made them do their work okay. when I was subbing for this Continue. teacher. Yeah. So I'm like, I kind of see them in the distance, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And the student is with their friend. Um, and so they're looking at some stuff. And then I'm like 50 feet away, and then we kind of make eye contact, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that person. Because the first thing through my mind is like, I recognize that person. And then it took me like a second to place them like, oh, yeah, that's that student that I subbed for that class, and they don't really like me. We make eye contact, I hold up my hand and kind of wave, and then immediately their face changes. And the student is looking at me, but very obviously talking to their friend who's with them. And just to me, he's like, me and that teacher are beefing. That's the teacher that made me sit down and had to, and change my seat um, when he was subbing for me and just like starts Loud going off. Loud enough for you to hear yes. all of this? And so the student is talking to their friend, but like staring me down. That's and I'm like, wow. Hello. There's like a level <laughs> Good to see of you too. audacity, but mixed with like my first knee jerk is like immaturity. <laughs> and like. It's not a positive thing. No. Um, that's rough. And that's so rough. I didn't even get a word out. I literally said zero words. I like raised cool. my hand to say hi. And then immediately, me and that teacher are beefing. That teacher, that's the teacher that did this. And, and, and I just like kept walking past them and didn't even say anything and just like moved on. It was like, sheesh. Uh, yeah, uh, look at you. <laughs> I try. Beefing um, is a thing though? I didn't know beefing is a yeah, thing. Yeah, when you have beef with someone. I mean, I know, but beefing, I mean. Everything's a verb. You can make everything uh, a verb. Makes me think of Chef Boyardee, to be honest. <laughs> it's the first thing that goes through my head. I'm sorry. Fair enough. I kind of like this podcast thing. I just kind of stream of consciousness and it'll be entertaining for people, I hope. That's the hope. It's good because I do anyway, stream of consciousness. Yeah, and much so anyway. I'm not necessarily super upset. It's just, and I don't even know if there's a point to this story. Yeah, no. Well, no. Mm. With, I mean, it's just like something that happened, and it's just like, yeah, this is what happens. This is not unique to teachers because everyone else who has a job deals with sure people, uh, and there's a full yes. spectrum of experiences we can have with people. Uh, but it was just like yes. the stark contrast from the first student to that student and then I ended up having to go to Hy-Vee and I saw another student there again not one that I teach directly but I just know them from around the school and they were like hey ready for school to start back up in a week and I was like yeah kind of sort of but we have a you know just like a very friendly exchange so that's the third student I saw and like what lovely bookends yeah so the first and third but the yeah that middle one so again Kind of interesting that, mm. yeah, just like out of nowhere, like not even a like, hi, or like, I'm going to fake be nice. It's like, no, I'm going to go out of my way to throw a fit again in front of my friend about this teacher that's walking past me yeah. in the store. So, Well, I realize uh. that you're not like actually upset or that this isn't actually affecting you, but nevertheless, I'm kind of sad for you. Like, that's a bummer because I know that you really value student relationships. And so, I don't know. I hope that there's a chance in the future for that relationship to change, question mark. But yeah, I also know you can't win them all, so Yeah, but, I, but yeah, I always want to do my best to have positive relationships with anyone I work with. Um, I mm -hmm. guess the realistic understanding is that's not always going to happen, but that's <laughs> what I want to aim for. It would break my heart. I worked at a bank uh, for a couple years for our listening audience, and it would really... I really love people, okay? And so it would just really break my heart when when I couldn't win someone over. Like, <laughs> I 
I don't know. I would just not like, not that I'm a try hard because I try to be just genuine, but I genuinely try hard. <laughs> to like <laughs> whatever the best combination of yeah, those two things is, that's what Shalene is. I just try, and when people are grumpy, it is like my favorite thing ev- ever. My most favorite thing is when someone will call or come by and just be so upset and have this problem and being able to just listen and like de-escalate the situation and then genuinely help them. Even if sometimes I can't do anything, but just listening to them, they feel helped and cared for. And then they leave that conversation at peace and like their day is better. Like that is my favorite thing. And my coworkers thought I was crazy because I would be like, sure, I'll take this super angry customer. And they were like, you, something's wrong with you. But I enjoy it because it's a chance to turn it around. So then on the flip side, when you got the people who are just crazy because they want to be crazy and they want to just be mad, it's just a bummer because you can't, you can't win then because they just, I mean, they, they're they just want to be mad to be mad, not because they really have a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, but that's not how. It's <sighs> not how it this doesn't works. have to be that way. Yeah, you'd be so much happier, <laughs> which I can tell you don't really care about. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, and you never know what what people go through right in the background. Sure, and what kind of day they're having. And stuff absolutely. Like that, so, but man, to have such a rough day, I think it has to be beyond a rough day. I think it has to be like a rough season of life, life. or something. Yeah, to Honestly. go to the extent of like just being straight up, I'm choosing to be angry regardless of how kind another human can be to me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, and know. this is, you know, there's people that talk about like, yeah, when you encounter someone who is really upset, instead of getting mad back at them, it's it's better to have empathy and be like, oh my gosh, normal people typically aren't super mean just to be mean unless there's something kind of crazy going on in their life or something hurtful or something like that. And I mean, I guess, yeah, some people are just jerks, but like there's there's usually something else going in the background. And so oh, yeah. seeing or understanding that yeah. changes our perspective on how we deal with negative interactions. Again, because yeah, yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I wonder what, unfortunate thing is going on behind the scenes for them that causes them to to act like this and maybe i'm weird but like being a banker and starting out talking to someone about an overdraft fee or a loan that they need or whatever whatever and being able then to talk to them about their grandson who was born with a heart defect and they're like just really torn up about him and just stressed yeah. out money you know like going to get from to the banking talk to like yeah. let's talk about your life talk. like your life actually matters and like man i'll be praying for your grandson and being able to ask his name and then the next time i see that customer and the next time for the next six months that i see that customer i get to ask how that grandson's doing and like just seeing what that means to people is really cool yeah yep I, this I'm is why you're the best banker ever thanks but I'm, I'm no longer. I'm no <laughs> yes, longer. you have moved on. You have I a different have, job now. I have but, moved on. But yeah, we yeah, Shalene and I are. Shalene's more of a people person than I am, but we're both people people e. overall, and that's kind of a big thing for me too in teaching. Like I'm not there because everything is just sunshine and roses. It's like no, I'm going there to 
try to make a difference the best I can. Yeah. And so my boss and I were talking about that at the you bank. today. No, my boss. Oh, at the now church you at work. The church yeah, where I work. Because um, he knows Daniel quite well, and uh, yeah, we cool. were talking about just how, like, the conversations that you get to have in your classroom sometimes, and how it's really cool because your students don't immediately prickle when you say things. And mm-hmm. like he filled in the blank before I said anything. He was like, yeah, because they know he cares because he has a gift for building relationships with them. And I was like, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. It yeah. Makes me feel good. Because I think, I mean, I don't know. That is totally like your heart. It's This is not a thing that we're just schmoozing, but like that's your heart that you do care for your students and you want whatever the best is for them. And so that's your goal. And I think since that's your heart, it's communicated through what you do. And then... Yeah, yeah, that's the whole idea. There you go. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do in the classroom is have conversations about meaningful things that in other settings might be a challenging conversation. Yeah. Um, Because challenging conversations about difficult topics are things that any person... I think needs to be able to talk about. And if yeah. you, if you want to go big picture, like our culture and our society needs to be able to have conversations without just getting mad and being polarized. And the thing that is, I think so prevalent in our culture now, we need to learn how to have conversations with people. And even if it is awkward or uncomfortable or even upsetting, we need to be able to have that conversation and, yeah. and see eye to eye to things. And I think modeling that, and making a place for that in the classroom at a high school level, I mean, that's one of my favorite things to do. So whether we're talking about like gender issues or racial issues or money stuff or political ideologies or, you know, whatever the thing is that normally could be very inflammatory and upsetting mm-hmm. to people having the conversation, it's my favorite thing when we can take some time out of class to have that conversation yeah but then do it in a way that's actually productive and helps people learn and grow their understanding um i don't know just i don't know be a better person can i just say that Um, yeah well i mean that's the whole that's like half the reason i'm a teacher if not the whole reason so you're really good at that like you've taught me a lot in that like in general i love people and i love talking to them um but learning, you've taught me a lot about listening more deeply and like what that looks like and what that means. And then also being okay in very uncomfortable conversations, still learning that one a little bit. I'm much, for again, the listening audience, I am way more black and white than Daniel. Daniel's more comfortable with the ambiguity and the gray and the not saying exactly where we are on things. And I'm like, you what? Um, you said, you believe what? Yeah. yeah. So. Which it, there's there's pros and cons to both of those. Yes. Mentalities. But, and but stuff, from but. his even keel, I have learned to internalize my what? And um, <laughs> the knee jerk reaction. A little bit more. A little bit more. Sometimes it still is very obvious in my face working on that. But. <laughs> Well, and you got to read your audience, you know, like read the room, know if it's someone that you can show those reactions to and the conversation continue genuinely. Or if it's someone where like if you do something like that, they're turning off immediately. So anyway, 
all, yes, finish by saying, yes, I've learned a lot from you. I'm thankful for you. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate appreciate your kind words. You're so welcome. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that was my Walmart trip. Walmart. Yeah. You never know who you're going to meet in Walmart. I have no interesting stories for the day. I didn't uh, really. I did when I went to work, and I. You're doing fine. Came doing great. Home. Yeah. How are you feeling? You're uh, f- almost for tomorrow. Be 14 weeks pregnant. Oh yeah. We're gonna have a baby. You remember the days and everything. Yes, I do. Wednesday is the day. The day where the week turns over. So today. So that's. Tomorrow. Yeah, Wednesday's tomorrow, yep. so that'll be 14 weeks. Yeah, so... I feel like you're doing better than the first trimester. Oh, I feel great. I mean, <laughs> I've had a cold since, you know, almost a week now, so that's not as great. But pregnancy-wise, fantastic. Doing real good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I was not prepared. I was not prepared. Uh, nope. <laughs> For what? <laughs> Being pregnant? Just, yeah. Yeah, like... Just kind of happens, I mean, you know? it's one thing to be prepared to have a baby which you realize you're not. Uh, but then it's a whole nother, th- like I didn't know I needed to be prepared for pregnancy. Like I just, it sounds really dumb. Like saying that, so I yeah, feel Yeah, so what dumb. you're saying is like, obviously we're married. It was and a like, lot. And we've wanted to have kids. Sure. That's been in the plan the whole time. Oh, yeah. So it's like, we have conversations like, oh, we're going to be parents and we're going to have a kid. But then you kind of forget the whole part of like, oh, I got to think about, being pregnant. No, no. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no. No, I've thought about being pregnant. Oh, okay. I just thought you're it talking was about chill. Bur- oh, okay. I, I did not know. I have not. I guess I just haven't had many conversations with pregnant women, which I don't understand how because I just <laughs> how, don't how do you understand. Miss that? Yeah, that I don't. I have a lot of friends and a lot of them have been pregnant and I just don't. I don't know, but I'm realizing now, having been through it, maybe the deal is that when you're pregnant and you feel like crap, you don't talk to people because <laughs> you you're home sleeping. And so maybe that's why I haven't heard much about it. It all makes sense. I'm putting now. this together. Anyway, so yes, I, I just feel like I did not, I was kind of blindsided by being totally exhausted, like, wow. That was real. Like, I read in an article that, like, the drop dead, like, could fall asleep at any second. Eyes closing. Fatigue will hit you. And that's a little much. Mm-hmm. Eh, kind of. It's not But you felt pretty too tired. Too far from the mark. In the yeah. last few months, you have felt pretty tired. Yeah, no, there, there was, was a, a week good. There. A week? Go two weeks? No, just go I mean, work. there was a good week or two where, like, you would go to work and then come home and do nothing. Yeah. And I'm not saying that because I'm upset. I'm just saying, like, that's what happened. <laughs> and it felt like the dishes longer. and the laundry and some of that stuff kind of suffered for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a good bit. It was bad. Our house was really bad. My lunch break was a nap. After work, nap. Woke up. Went back Maybe to bed. moved to the couch <laughs> yeah. for, like, two hours. Literally did nothing. Like, did not get up. Did not walk to the kitchen. Like, you know. But I was like awake and did what I needed to do for the day, which is not true because the laundry and the anyway, yeah. And then went back to bed at like seven mm, thirty some nights. Yeah, <laughs> p.m. Yeah, which I mean, and who's? I mean, you're growing a baby. Uh, yeah, I just wasn't. And prepared. a whole new organ. Like I when you're pregnant, prepared. you grow a new organ, the placenta, and so like. Fun facts. Your people. body's doing a lot. Yeah. So I'm not blaming you for any of that. But yeah, no, I just it was good. So be prepared, any young 
women listening. Or older women. Or older. Absolutely. Yes. Pregnancy is no joke. Yeah. And well, and I'm super duper duper thankful though because like nausea is a huge symptom and I know that some women vomit a lot like daily or, you know, just a lot. Multi-daily. And maybe even throughout their whole pregnancy, but I am super thankful to say that I vomited a total of 3 times on just two separate days. And I mean, other than that, yes, I did feel nauseated like the whole first three months. Yes. And it's so weird. Like, I don't know, Daniel. We've talked about how my mind has very much an impact on how I'm actually feeling and how I'm just very influenced by the knowledge of things. Right. Um, And there's all the kinds of backstory to that, but we won't go into it. But I'm curious because all of my symptoms mm-hmm. have been almost to the T following, quote, the timeline of what I should be feeling. So the stereotypical timeline of what the, yeah. s- the average woman would feel yes. at this point in pregnancy yes. is exactly what. Pretty, pretty much, yes. And so maybe you are the stereotypical pregnant woman. Right. Or you are super heavily influenced by what you're learning about pregnancy because you have an app that well, updates you as yes. you go. Yes, and I don't know if it's like I literally am influenced or if I'm s- hypersensitized to so those specific things. Yeah, so that's the, what I notice. There's all the psychology. So there's that. that side of it as well. Yeah. But it's been really kind of trippy how like, oh, at like the end of 12 weeks you finish your first trimester and like should start having more energy and feeling less nauseous literally and well, then once you learn that yeah well boom energy no i so okay that one wasn't to the t that one like when i was at like 11 and a half weeks yeah 11 and a half weeks i was like dude i don't need a nap hey daniel you want to you want to you want to go on a walk Oh yeah, my gosh, we're going on a walk. Let's do something. This is my first walk in three months. Oh my gosh. Let's <laughs> do something like, behind, besides lay around the house. Yeah. So that was trippy. And then it continued. Like I thought it was like a one-time thing and yeah. I would die for it. No. You still feel good. Since then, I felt great. Like it was just one day. All of a sudden, like occasionally I still, like yesterday was a weird day. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just felt really weird. But it's like different weird now. I don't know how to explain the things. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you're feeling good now. Yeah, me too. It's awesome. Yep. Now it's just all the heartburn and my abdomen <laughs> feeling sore at different times. Yeah. You're starting to stretch out. Yeah. Good stuff. Still definitely in the just looks fat, not necessarily pregnant <laughs> stage. You look though. pregnant. You don't look fat. Um, thanks. I mean it. Okay. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so pregnancy is going better, going well. Yeah. We were having an interesting conversation the other day that I was like, oh, we should talk about this on the podcast. But So here we are. We've had a lot of conversations already, and it came back up a couple days ago, just like what school for our future kids will look like. Yeah. Um, both you and I went to private church schools. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both from small towns, um, and we didn't go to public school. Um, 
And so, obviously, we, well, maybe not obviously, we're still Christians, and we would like our kids to be raised in a Christian home. Um, And so, that doesn't necessarily mean they have to go to a private Christian school. They could go to a public school. Yes. Um, Or we know about schools in Kirksville that are, like, quote-unquote Christian, um, and, like, part of the curriculum is learning about the Bible and, like, Christian values and things like that. And it's, like, yeah, seems like an obvious thing you want. But then, on the other hand, and I don't want to bash these schools, sometimes you go to a Christian school and depending on the situation, depending on the school, you may or may not be sacrificing academic quality Sure. Um, as opposed to going to the public school, where I don't know, I'm saying this, whereas people are like, "What? You think the public school is good? The public school is terrible." So I don't know. Depends on who you ask. But yeah, you know, I'm realizing we've talked about this a lot, but really, like, look at both of our experiences. Which is what? Good. Well, I guess what I mean is our outcome. Maybe not our experiences. <laughs> I don't know, because I think our experiences, I think there's good and bad in all of it. Yes. Like, I would agree, my my school, it was self-taught, self-paced, like individualized curriculum. So it was really based upon my ability to read and comprehend and do my own thing. And thankfully, I thrived in that. I loved it. I graduated a year early, did all the classes I possibly could, and still was done early. You're, and one, was of like, those, you're one of those, quote-unquote, weird people who loves school. Yes, I do love school. Loves still. learning. Yep. Loves mm-hmm. being organized. Yes. We had goal cards, and you wrote <laughs> down your goals every day, and you you're have to so cross happy. them off. Yeah, very task-oriented. Yes. Oh, um, And yeah. intelligent, of course. And so, like, oh, you thrived in a, uh, a system... That, that did that. That was built that way. Yeah. It was a g- it was good. Yeah, it was cool. And then I went, I mean, I, so, and then I went to a, a Christian school in a different town um, here in Kirksville, um, and I do not regret any part of it, really. Um, I went there K through 12, kindergarten through 12th grade and graduated. Graduating class of five. Yeah. Valedictorian, I think. Three. My man and I was for sure valedictorian. Uh, yeah. So we had tiny, tiny schools. Woot. Um, I was not in like a self-taught, teach yourself from the packet kind of environment. I had teachers and stuff. Um, but toward the end there, we kind of moved to an online curriculum that was facilitated by teachers. So I kind of had a little bit of both. Um yeah, we both went to college. We both graduated with great GPAs. Um, yours is better than mine. Um, Thank you. You got a 4.0, which is I awesome. I also had a humanities degree, and you did not. So something, yeah. something, something. Chemistry degree <laughs> is arguably more difficult than a communications degree. Yes. I, I say as I'm smirking. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is, the point is, is that we both. Communication also, just for in Clay's talk. In case Dr. Self ever listens to this. Got it. Communication. Not communications? No. Okay. Well, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Continue. Thank you. Anyway, um, all of that to say, like, yeah, we went to, like, private Christian schools. And no, I did not have a chemistry lab in high school. Same. Yeah. Um, No, I did not have... um, 
I don't know, a giant band to play in. I never had the opportunity to march when I played in band. Right. Some of the resources um, were not available. There was no, like, shop class or... Oh, oh, and the huge other thing is, like, there's no soccer team. Sure. Growing up, I loved soccer and had to do it, figure out ways to play right. outside of school because yeah. my tiny school didn't have a team. So, so you could argue that, like, oh, you missed out. But... But see, even as we're thinking about this and discussing it, because, yes, I could go through my own list of things. and But then I could list ways that we m- tried to make up for those areas. It's not the same. Sure, absolutely. I won't argue differently. But I think something that is irreplaceable, arguably, I mean, you, I mean, you could maybe say, like, that you could get it all at home. But... What's irreplaceable, at least in my life, was my school, we had monthly memory verses where we memorized like whole chapters of the Bible. And we had a yearly school convention that had 145 different events you could take from track and field to basketball to crochet to watercolor to photography to speeches, whatever. Lots of opportunities. But, well, yeah, but my, sorry, my main point I'm going for there is that um, several of the categories were scripture memorization. Interesting. And I so chose... So you could compete in scripture memorization. Well, and it was like a completion thing. It okay. wasn't really competing. It was just, I'm going to memorize the book of Psalms. In chunks? Or did you recite the whole book of Psalms in it's, one sitting? Thank you, Jesus. It's a chapter at a time. <laughs> um, except yeah. for Psalm 119, you get to split into 35 verse chunks, which actually makes it one of the easier ones to do because Psalm 78 has 72 verses, Boy, that one Crazy. was good. Yeah, it's the whole history of Israel. and Right, right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, like, there's that. And then, like, so I attempted that one and got it halfway done. I didn't finish it, and I still kind of kick myself to this day. However, I did Proverbs and finished that one. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a competition. It's kind of competing against yourself and just self-discipline and getting it done. Yeah, for that event. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... So valuable. So cool. Anyway, so yes. And then like chapels, weekly chapels on Wednesdays. Still, I have so many things that Mr. Lewis, our principal, planted in me in chapel. And then just in every day in our learning center, quote unquote, that's what our classroom was called. And Mm -hmm. just the biblical values that in every single conversation we ever had with him that were imparted to me, priority-wise... Huge. That wins. And still still part of the foundation of who you are right yeah. now, 10 years later. Now, if if I, I don't know, I could see where if I, I don't know, if at some point I realized, man, I'm really, really good at volleyball and I really feel like God is like going to use that in my life and right. wants me to take that route. And that's, and side note, I kind of think that might be semi-rare. Um but you know, well, I mean, being a professional volleyball athlete is rare. In, in the right. But your point so being, so my like point being, I'm totally open to that. Of to le- that being leaving a Christian school, sure. Unquote, yes. To pursue something. Yes. That if is you know that that is really what you feel like God is having you do, however, I think that gets tricky when you're talking about a teenager. Because what teenager knows what the rest of their life is going to look like? Right. And so then as you're a parent, I don't know. I think as a parent, 
we prioritize God and his word and biblical worldview and really instilling that in our children, and we trust that if God is going to have them be a pro whatever, he'll open those doors Mm -hmm. and he'll make that obvious to us. And so this is where it comes full circle where Shalene and I are talking about this of like, man, with our future kids, like what is the best the best place for them to get an education, but also grow up in a place where they can, well, what we say is be disciples, which means learn about the Bible and learn um, about those values and things, because those are foundational of, of who we are. And obviously when our kids are grown up, they will make their own dis- choices and they will choose their own beliefs. And Yes. I mean, Well, they have to. Yeah, they have to. I mean... They have to. If your parents are telling you what to believe for your whole life, then that's not healthy or right in any context. I don't want that for my kids. Like, I don't want them to, quote, even choose Christianity just because it's what they did. Like, no. It has to be a personal choice that they arrive at at their own. Literally. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say, like, yes, we, we as parents will raise them a certain way or attempt to raise them a certain way. Yes understanding that they will make their own choices ultimately as adults. But in the meantime, yeah, so like what does school look like? Because we want we want that biblical foundation, I'll just say, but then we also want like academics and opportunities and resources for them yeah. as well. I so. think something that I've been thinking about a lot is just realizing that regardless of what we do, like I think I think we're leaning toward our church's school at this point because of the biblical worldview. Well, yes, and and scripture memorization. And, and this is what like I mentioned that. the other day of like just seeing the public school system for myself as a teacher now because I did not grow up in it, and so my exposure to it did not come until much later. Now that I work in it, it's like, yeah, I do. I don't want my six-year-old necessarily going to public school or my seven-year-old or maybe even my 13-year-old high school I think is like a different point where like okay we can consider that but like man I just think those young elementary years are so foundational um, for anyone for a human that like I I want that to be an environment where though the uh, we call them seeds of like, and what I mean by seeds are like just the values and the understanding of biblical principles are are established early on. I just think that's so important. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's we're kind of leaning in that direction. But then, as they get older and become more of an adult, which is what happens in high school, is you're transitioning to adulthood and more and more autonomy and really beginning to think about, okay, what do I believe for myself and why do I believe it and what kind of person, you know, all of that kind of like self-identity development really takes place and you become your own person as opposed to just someone's child, you know, that whole psychological development process that happens. Like, yeah, then it's like we can consider other things, but I just really feel like at, during the elementary years and potentially during the the junior high years, middle school years, like having that biblical foundation is just so so important. Yeah. Well, and so going back to what I was saying of realizing that regardless of what we choose or whatever, we need to be involved. And like maybe that's a duh statement, but specifically at our church school, 
like this is an idea I've talked about with the principal and just some other parents is the idea that it's easy to complain about the academic rigor or the way a teacher is doing something or X, Y, Z when what can you be doing? How can you be communicating with the teacher to change things, to help your student? How can you be coming in and working at the school yourself to teach an area that you're well-versed in? How can you be contributing as a parent to your child's and the school's overall academic environment? Um, and I honestly, I'm not concerned for our children academically at all because you and I are both nerds and... <laughs> and I'm a teacher. Yeah, like I, we could literally homeschool them. Yeah. I've thought about that, actually. Which I don't want to do, but yes, your, no. po- your point is, is yeah. like, if it comes to that... Academically, like, could, I'm sure, not concerned, slash I know that God will bless that. Like, I don't want to make it sound like we got this, because, no, we need God for everything. Sorry, Lord. But, yeah, <laughs> so... And we need other people. Yeah, and so I want, I'm realizing that instead of selfishly being like, well, like, we need to put them somewhere else, because even if we put them in a public school, then we would still need to be asking ourselves, okay, how do we get involved here? What are we doing here? Like, we need to be active parents. Um, But I think I like the way that that looks much better in our church school as well because we work together with other parents. Again, it's a priority thing. Like, we're not really, we're not top priority is not the academic. Top priority is our child's, like, biblical foundation, and value system. And yeah, and, uh, and yes. that is top priority for me. And then absolutely, secondary to that, absolutely is educational excellence. Yeah, and this, yeah, and, and I think now we're getting a level deeper into like what the whole educational process is about. Right. Um, because, I mean, so if we think about, okay, what's the stereotypical environment and tone in a public school setting let's say in a high school, you know, and I mean, you see this on social media and things like that, like, oh, parents are rude, like, like from a teacher's perspective, like, so if you're a, a public school, high school teacher, what is your, what is your experience? Well, the stereotypical thing is you're underpaid, your kids are disrespectful and rude, they don't listen, parents are mean, you know, your principal is overbearing and demanding, and it's like just a terrible environment, like that is, that is the, kind of default perception of a public school environment, mm. which yeah. is not a good thing. Um, and yeah. I, I think at some level there's something to be said for that. Um, I can say, as a side note for me personally, I have amazing administrators and principal in my building, and I'm not just yeah. saying that because this is on a podcast. Like, I genuinely think that. And we're thankful. My coworkers are great. Yeah. And the parents that I interact with are great. Yeah. So I have a lot going for me in my particular setting where, like, a lot of those factors are good. And then, of course, as illustrated by my Walmart trip earlier today, some of my students are amazing and some of them are kind of a challenge. And I have to work on trying to bridge a gap with with that disconnect. Um, But anyway, my point is that, like, the the stereotypical perception of a, a public high school is very negative, yeah. Very um, toxic. Yeah. And so the question might be like, why is that? 
Mm. And, and this is something that I, a conclusion I've been kind of coming to on my own now that I've been a teacher for a few years now, I'm still young in my career, but I'm starting to see, I think part of, part of the issue is that when you're in a public school, you have to accommodate for any and every worldview or ideology or moral system yeah. of any student, any family that is coming into uh, that school. It's, right. a, it's a public yes. institution, and so and really, you have to arguably, cater to your clients. It should be yeah. that way. Right. And so... I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even disagree with that. Yeah. Um, so then the, the moral system of the school then reflects the moral system of the community that it's in. Right, which and gets so, really messy. Which gets messy. And so this is kind of where I'm going with this, is that because the community we live in, um, as not diverse as it is compared to other places in the United States, our community, like people in our community, believe a bunch of different things. And they Imagine disagree that. about a bunch of different things. Right. And so if you bring all of that... Um, Division? Yeah, division. I don't know. I don't want to say non-uniformity because I don't think everyone should be uniform. Disunity. Can I make up a word? Yeah, no. That's what I was thinking with division. I'll make up a disharmony. Yeah, yeah. Just when you bring all of that, those differences in, and they're not differences that like complement. They're like there's opposites and things that don't work together. Sure. Like there are things that like you cannot believe everything. Right. There are some belief systems that Which... are contradictory. And so anyway, my point is that because there's not a unified, well-defined moral code mm -hmm. system yeah. that is expected in the public school, yeah. you then just kind of get chaos. You can. And yes. so the kids are able to be more disrespectful than maybe they are at home because yeah. they don't get consequences or discipline right. for misbehavior, Not for disrespect, yeah. for being mischievous um, or just rude or anything. And obviously there are, like our school does have discipline and there are like consequences for your actions. But I would say it's much looser than I would imagine it, certain kids with their families would oh, yeah. not get away with nearly as much right. as they could in the school system because of the this, different parameters. These the yeah. different parameters. Yeah. Um, and so you bring up a point though that I think um, is used to argue against private education sometimes, or specifically church schools. That being that church schools can be s too narrow in their view of things, and then you graduate sheltered, and you don't know anything about the world, and you think everybody believes what you believe. And I think... And you're totally unprepared to right. live in a diverse society. So that's society a stereotype... For the private schools. For private schools. Right. And I think, again, this is where parental involvement and like good administration are necessary... Because you got to do those things. Like, it's kind of like an extra homework assignment. Because, yes, the default could be very easily, well, we believe the same things. Like, we love Jesus. Like, here's the deal. We'll send them to a the Christian world school is happy. and they'll take care of it. Yeah, and it, and it makes the school kind of a shelter. Whereas, I've heard this description where the school can be seen as a shelter, and that's not what we want. We want the school to be an armory, like a place of equipping um, preparing them. Yes, to preparing be 
Yeah, preparing them for the world. And that includes being faced with different ideas and worldviews and having conversations about those things. And I I think in a lot of ways, um, schools might do this, but I think it could be pressed even further of not just, well, what about this idea? And then we all just mimic each other saying, well, this is the Sunday school answer. No, like maybe we take field trips to Truman's campus and listen to a lecture of someone we really don't agree with yeah. and really hear from someone who actually believes this thing we think is not what we believe. Right. And then we talk about it. Yeah. Or we, I don't know if this would be possible, but to like invite in a non-combative person <laughs> and <laughs> to a class to like teach a class and have a discussion with a class and... I don't know, like doing that in tasteful ways where they are exposed to these different ideas and thoughts and people who believe them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah, so there's they know how to treat people with the love of Jesus, but also exactly what you're doing in your chemistry classroom. Learn how to have conversations about difficult topics. Right. And so because I think the idea we're, com- we're, we're talking around here as future parents is that on the one hand, I believe parents have the responsibility to instill proper values in their children. Yes. Treating other people kindly. Mm-hmm. Being responsible. Yes. Um, proper, you know, hygiene. Please. Um, I mean, the stuff like that. Right. And those things I just listed are very general, but like what does that look like? In school, what does that look like on a sports team? What does that look like when you are playing an instrument? Like all of those facets of life are another opportunity to learn responsibility, being nice, or being a leader even, helping other people, things like that. So on the one hand, we parents are responsible to instill those things. And so we don't just let our kids do whatever they want right. at a young age mm-hmm. and just say, oh, you can figure it out because like you are totally capable of being intelligent and logical from birth to when you're it's like, no, that is not the case. And <laughs> so I believe that we parents have a responsibility to protect our kids from going off the deep end yeah. way too early. Sure. We don't want to be absent parents even though we or uninvolved parents even though we perhaps still live in the same home as our kids like I want to be involved in that process yeah on the other hand I need and want my kids to be exposed right to the culture around us yes and not be sheltered in in a bubble right so it's this balancing act of I want to protect my kids and not just let them go off the deep end at a young age because and just go be expo- and figure it out guided. the hard way. Well, and that's the thing. And then on the other hand, I don't want them to live under a rock. So sure. so what's the balance between protecting them versus exposing them to the real world? I think it's and a so lot. And so that's that's I feel like those are th- that spectrum or that dichotomy is what kind of what we're talking about. And like yeah. what does that look like from birth to kindergarten, to third grade, to sixth grade, to ninth grade, to twelfth grade, <laughs> and from there on. It's kind of scary to think because the answer, I think, is a lot of intentionality as a parent. That's where it starts. Yes. Um, 
And, <laughs> but also I take peace, like, from the fact that I know God will help us and guide us the whole way. So then I can breathe again because otherwise I'm like, ah! yeah, like we we are not smart enough or no. wise enough to figure all this out. No, and we're not going to do it perfectly. I mean, we're talking about this now, sure. and we don't even have a kid yet. No, happy fourteen weeks, baby Floyd. Anyway, yeah. Um, but, like, we're still not going to do it perfect. Right. And, and the fun thing no. that we already know is going to be true is, like, it's probably going to look a little different for each kid. Duh, yeah. So that's going to be fun. Talk about a differentiation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look at you using your teacher lingo. Uh-huh. Yeah. I listen. <laughs> You're doing great. Thank you. Um, But, yeah, so. Anyway. Yeah. I, well, I think, so I think through talking about this more tonight, I'm realizing just a highlighted theme in my brain is that parental involvement is huge, which again, duh. For us is like a duh, because we assume well, that we duh, want to be involved with but our But also... Kids. But I mean, that's not obvious to anyone. Okay. But even to myself, it's a duh, but then thinking about what that actually means and the fact that it means like, yes, you have conversations with your kids at home... And, like, do the things. But then also you send them to school. And we have a unique opportunity where our school encourages parents to be involved in shaping what the school is and what it offers and things like that. So being involved. Just just like a public school is open to the involvement or should be to the public community around them, our church school is open to involvement and influence and input Right. From the parents, parents who and families. have kids in that school. Yeah. And I don't know. So just realizing more the depth. And I'm a very practical, uh, literal person. And so just talking through it is helping me recognize what this literally means to be involved. and Yeah, so we're not just involved with our kids, but like we're involved with whatever school that they go to. Yeah, we're involved with their education. It's not a, all right, bye, have a great day. Right. What'd you learn? Like, that's a bare minimum. It could be that. Yes. It's one way to do it. Sure. That's just not what we want to do. Well, yeah, and but I think, well, and I think also, disclaimer, like I work at our church Slash the school. You will be down the hall. Yeah, so... (laughs) We say all this, and it's like, yeah, Shaleen will literally be there. Sure, yes. (laughs) But even outside of my job, I don't know. I want to make it a goal for us to be involved with our our students' teachers, children, our children's teachers, and, like, to, to think about what classes we could possibly help with. Sure. Slash come in and teach mm-hmm. or what labs you could come do or what field trips we could encourage and take the kids on. Or even so I mentioned the whole like take the kids to Truman, have this conversation, da 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 da. Maybe that's not something that the whole school is comfortable with. But then maybe that's where we quote homeschool a little bit. Because like I want our family to do things like that where we're involved in our community and we see what's up and we play with different ideas and we have conversations and sure. we watch TED Talks and YouTube and documentaries at home with the kids. Wow, they're going to be nerds. Oh, I'm sorry. They're <laughs> doomed. Both of us are <laughs> nerds. Yeah. Uh, watch we get this jock diva. Who hates school. Oh, no. Lord, help us. You will. It's good. Anyway. Yeah, we yeah. will. 
just like our kids ultimately choose their belief system, they have their own personality. Yes. And if they are just not the school nerdy type. We won't know what to do, but it'll be okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> we will, there's more to life than school. Yes. I think learning is extremely important for everyone. Yes. But yes, you don't have to be... Yeah, no. Anyway, but, but all of along that... Along the way... Like, they could enjoy community events, though. They could sure. totally be into going right. to the parade and discussing the people and organizations in town and what they do and the businesses mm. and different... I don't know. I'm that's making things up. But Yeah, that's a lot of good ideas from that quick brainstorming session. Yeah. I like it. Did you know... This is completely... I got to tell you, though. The planetarium... At Truman yeah. has nightly shows. Whoa, what? Yeah. What are we doing? Ah, uh, recording Click. a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get over there right now. Nightly. Like, I think four of the five weeknights are free. Whoa. And then one of them is like maybe five bucks. Yeah. The one that's not free. And then one of the free ones is like a... Ex- obviously. Sorry, I'm okay. smirking. Yes, yes the one that's $5 is the not free one. Mm. You're fine. No. Anyway, you were anyway, um, But then one of the, quote, free ones is like a tour of the galaxy, and you can pay a dollar to like put in your request of where you want to go. Whoa. So that one's like free, but if it's you and me in the theater, somebody's going to have to pay a dollar. We're not going anywhere. That kind of thing. Right. So, <laughs> so anyway, I saw that, and I emailed myself the link to their website that like has all the details cool. because I was like, what? We need to at least go to each of these once. Yeah. Speaking of being nerds. We are missing out. We need to do it. All right. Put we it also on the list. need to look at the trimming calendar because I know there's all they do so much cool stuff yeah. that we're missing well, out. Well maybe on. because I would I really would like to go to another like guest lecture. Yeah multiple of them. I don't know if they're doing them as much with COVID. Yeah, it's hard to say. I I really liked their global global issues colloquium. Yeah. Which they is like a like a speaker series and they just have someone uh-huh. come in and talk about some global issue and oh. I tried to go to those when I was an undergrad yeah. or even a grad student and those were super interesting. I so the ones I went to were so random. The ones that I remember off the top of my head I went to an art history one that was really cool about like art restoration stuff. They had a speaker come in who does that. Nice. And that's a completely random thing, but I loved it. So cool. Mm -hmm. And then I went to one that was for an English professor was doing his reading. Oh, yeah, that was one. Yeah, one that was just a reading and him talking about his work. But then a separate one, they brought in a professor who was talking all about like Halloween and other, quote, thin places between the worlds and it got real trippy and kind of scary, but it was really cool. Like between the natural and the supernatural? Uh Uh-huh. And like the history of Halloween slash Mm -hmm. other days like that. Spiritual kind of things. Yes. Celebrations. Yes, but from like a literature perspective. Interesting. Yeah. Super cool. Um, And then what? Oh, and then... Yeah, when we were dating, we went to the Martin Luther King Jr. one. Yeah, and that <laughs> that was a whole experience because this speaker came in and talked about a very specific oh yeah, niche aspect of 
the, the civil rights the movement. civil rights movement in like particular neighborhoods of Chicago. Well, I mean, we're talking like this is research. This is PhD level. So yeah. like, I'm going to focus on this super. Anyway, you wouldn't think that that topic would be super complicated or hard to understand. <laughs> I did not follow any of it. it really? Was, I I mean, it's that years. makes me feel better because my I was so pumped. Like I was trying I to mean, listen. Yeah, I'm totally take it in, ready to learn about. And this. I was like listening. So I don't know if you remember this, but when we left, I was like skipping down the sidewalk, just like because I was trying to comprehend everything I'd heard and it was not working but i was trying yeah and and like yeah and then there were people that were asking questions after and i had yeah. no clue what they're talking about like just cuz this this topic is so like specific and yeah. know, heady at some level oh, and yeah. like it flew over my head i'm like this is supposed to be american history how is this complicated but like it's life. Know. Life is complicated. Sure. I think all of history is this complicated if we knew that much about it. Yeah. So, and and I think what was complicated is they're you know they're talking about the ideologies and the philosophical underpinnings and background to this very Which specific situation. Yeah, I just did not <laughs> follow that particular right. presentation. Anyway, it was cool. Well, it was cool. So but yeah, and so anyway, that's cool stuff we could go yeah. to. Yeah, a lot of the other global issues, colloquia, are, are fun to go to. Anyway, yeah, benefits I of having a university in your town. You can like go learn stuff. Wow, crazy. Yeah, I just feel out of the loop. I feel like we haven't we haven't been to a German event in pff. a while. Yeah, but again, I don't know how much of that is COVID, because like Lyceum events, I think they've moved a lot online. Yeah, they just kind of stream them. Yeah. I mean, that's not to we'll say see. we shouldn't still participate in the online, but me. And then, we'll and then I have literally marked so many of the music department performances on our calendar. Yeah, so much cool music that we're missing out on. Yeah. Like, I've put some of them on our calendar to be like, yo, if we're free, we should do this thing. But that's not how our lives work. We're going to have to be like, yo, we should do this thing. So we're not yeah, free we for other things. <laughs> gobs of free time. <laughs> we don't have any kids yet, and we still don't have free time. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll and see. I feel kind of bad because sometimes you go and you're like, hmm, that wasn't really worth it. Occasionally, yes, that can happen. Like not super often, but just like if I'm so I, sometimes I struggle with like, is it worth blocking off a section of my free time to do this thing? You know what I mean? When you're a college student and you're just bebopping around and you love doing all the things, me, absolutely worth <laughs> it. So great. Wonderful. Yes. But now it's hard because. I giving up time means a little know. more than yeah. it used to back in the day. Which is sad. Yeah. Oh yes. Well. well, we of course will keep talking, but should we maybe be done with the recorded portion of it? Since we're uh We're a little over an hour, over an hour now, so yeah. yeah. But hey, this is uh this is part of the fun doing a podcast. We can record our Super interesting conversations that we always have. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy this. I'm curious to listen back to it and also to have Emily listen to see if she immediately is like, oh my gosh, you guys are nerds and there's no way I'm listening to the whole hour. Which, I mean, sure. But like, maybe different ep episodes are for different people. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll just, we'll <laughs> just do us. Our, our audience checks the, the subtitle to see who the hosts are for I the mean, day. That's what <laughs> I do for pod. Like, I... Don't listen to every episode of any podcast that I follow. Well, you can't. 
Yeah, I mean, it's well, too I much guess content people to do. Keep. Yeah, a lot of people do. They just like tune in to the I weekly don't. or daily thing. I don't. And so, no. if you know, if we're putting out this podcast. Sure, that's true. Obviously, I want the whole world to listen because we just have such an interesting <laughs> show to, to present. No, anyway. Right. I have to be realistic on the strand. Like, yeah, I mean, not every episode is going to be for every person, but like, I don't know. I'd like people to tune in and get what they can out of it. Yeah. So we'll see. I think what will be very interesting. Well, it won't really be that. I was just going to say when we add Emily into this mix, it'll be a really interesting thing because where will it go? But we know where it will go. It will go the direction of like the movies, pop culture, because Emily's really quick and <laughs> Emily fast. Emily can talk about stuff. other things besides that. but Well, yes. no, but she really enjoys talking about that. And when we as a group hang out, we don't sit around and talk about Truman events we could go to for cranial stimulation. Like <laughs> That's not what we discuss. Sure. Because Emily's, like, out. Yep. That's the point of this show. It's supposed to be eclectic and just whatever happens, happens. And we'll let, we'll let the people decide. Decide now. But until then. Yes. We will call it a night. Yeah. And uh, we thank everyone for listening. And we'll, uh, so we'll, we'll see you next time, I guess. Adios. I don't know if I'll get to be here next time. So, adios. <laughs> Toodles. Bye.